welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today is the last in the four-part series of Everything You Are Capable of Becoming. Yesterday, I talked about the battle that I experienced both as an alcoholic and a stroke survivor admitting that I'm unable to meet my basic needs. So there was a deficiency in the area of um, my physiological needs, my safety needs, my love and esteem needs. And today, I want to talk about reaching outside of ourselves for help, being a human being among human beings, acknowledging that I can't do it by myself, and having the willingness to accept help from others. And I've referenced back several times about six weeks ago, I guess it's probably seven weeks ago now, um, and last Saturday about having uh, to go through um, this kind of almost downfall in my um, attitude in order for me to realize that I've got to change something or nothing's going to change. And um, realizing that, again, I, I just can't continue to function the way that I am. And um, the first time seven weeks ago when I did this, it was, it seems that, you know, I thought when I was making the decision seven weeks ago to, um, to turn away from work for a while and focus on my recovery, that that was it, that, okay, I made the big decision and, and yay me, but it seems like there was more, and and I have a feeling that there's still more to come, um, that I'm going to continue to need to shift and bend however is needed in order to I guess, ride the waves of recovery. So um, gaining the willingness to accept help from others is very difficult for me. I want to always, um, you know, my boyfriend mentioned yesterday at the doctor that I was bullheaded. And he's so right. You know, I hate hearing that. But um, he... There are many people, I think, that would that would uh, concur with that <laughs> about me. Um, I'm just really stubborn. That's what I call it, stubborn. And I like to do things my way. I like to um, I like to be independent. And I I like to be right. And so I think that that bullheadedness, as he calls it, 
is really, uh, it's an obstacle for me to getting help from other people. And so what I needed to do, both in uh, the beginning of my sobriety and today in this phase of recovery, to acknowledge that my illness or impairment is more than I can conquer on my own and that I don't have to do it alone. Whether it's that I find a support group, whether it's that I get connected with doctors, with therapists. And um, so this is gaining the willingness and the faith that recovery is possible. And that's all that I think a patient can really do in the beginning. It's a big deal. And I talked to my boss earlier today, and he reminded me that, Rachel, you've got to remember that this is a big deal. And I am, um, I am somebody who kind of blows things off and diminishes things because I don't know why. I don't know why I do that, but I've done it for a really long time. I remember my ex-husband <laughs> getting uh, irritated with me because I just wouldn't make a big deal out of anything. And I feel that happening uh, often in my relationship now that I'm always just like, you know what? We'll deal with it when it comes and blah, blah, blah. You know, like... Like, I don't make a big deal out of, out of anything. And, um, and this is a big deal. Recovery is a big deal. Um, what I'm dealing with is a big deal. And, and so this is, this is a massive mountain to climb. And, and that mountain is made up of, of acceptance that, yes, I am sick and, um, I have physical challenges and nothing is going to change. I keep saying this over and over. Nothing's going to change if I don't change something, change my mindset. If I don't become a yes person uh, instead of a no person, even when I don't want to do something, I need to do it anyway. And I, I've become so good at that in sobriety I'm always a yes person, you know, um, I'm always getting involved in things that I don't want to do because I know it's the best thing for me. I know it's the next right thing. And I know it's the path. It keeps me on the path of sobriety. And so today, uh, dealing with my stroke recovery, I need to even on days that I don't have hope, I need to do it anyway. And um, I said hope. And by the way, side note, I'm still waiting for my stars to show up, my hope stars that I'm going to put on my, um, my mirror. So doing it anyway. And that makes me think of going to the neurologist the first time around, you know, a year ago, 
and getting frustrated that the migraine medication that he prescribed me didn't do anything. And so then he upped the medication, which didn't do anything. And then me just giving up. And, and that all that was is I, I lost hope. So I just gave up. And, and that's not the road to recovery. I fell right off the road of recovery. Um, so doing the therapy, even when I'm not sure that the therapy is doing anything. And, and today, I don't know if the therapy is doing anything. The vision therapy, I, I've been doing it, as I've been told, twice a day. And I'm up to looking back and forth from, uh, at the cards about, I'm at 23 cycles and my head doesn't hurt as much as it used to. So that's progress, but it's, uh, again, there's the diminishing, I'm diminishing the progress and, and I shouldn't because vision impairment, you know, I have parts of my brain that are dead. That's a big deal. You know, if I say it like that, it's a big deal. And so for me to be learning, teaching my brain how to do something that I'm teaching a part of my brain to do something that it's never done before is a big deal. Um, and that's why I like doing this podcast, because I say some of these things out loud and remind myself that it is a big deal. And, and when I say things about this, I am figuring this out as I go. And anybody that's listening to this podcast and is going through anything that you might be identifying with me saying, you know, I, when I say it out loud, it is a big deal. You know, that's why I'm doing it. Because what I feel like is that I'm building a community here and we're all figuring it out together. We're figuring out how to live together. We all have different things going on. And, and so I'm just sharing my experience, hoping that it resonates with other people. So, um, doing the therapy when I don't know that if it's, if it's working, eating when I don't feel like eating. And that's a, that's a thing for me. Um, exercising when I don't feel like exercising and I get to choose, um, because I'm not trying to beat myself up if I don't exercise, you know, there's a big difference between beating myself up, not doing it or picking and choosing an exercise that's good for me today. Um, that's acceptable. And it always should be acceptable for us as human beings that it doesn't matter, you know, of course you want to you wanna have that drive to go to the gym every day and, and lift all of your, your weights and, and do your treadmill run and all that stuff. Um, and some days when you don't feel like doing it, um, as long as it's not a habit, it's okay. It's okay to not go. It's okay to say, you know what, today I'm going to stretch because that's what I need today. That's what self-care is. And I believe that um, 
our minds and our hearts and our, you know, all of that gooey stuff also needs to be taken care of and needs to be nurtured. So, um, also seeking joy, even when I don't feel like seeking joy, when I'm just poopy and I don't want to seek joy, when I seek joy all day long and I don't find it, I still have to keep seeking. So I mentioned I talked to my boss today and he said to me, Rachel, just pick up the phone. So I had mentioned that, oh, I was going to call you yesterday, but I I wanted to wait for this and that or whatever. You know, he said, just pick up the phone. So this is interesting to me because in sobriety, uh, especially in the beginning, that's what we tell newcomers is to pick up the phone. That sometimes the phone seems like it's 3,000 pounds to pick up. And, and if you pick it up, you'll realize that it's much lighter than you thought it was. And by just by picking up the phone, I don't, I, I realized that that despair that was keeping me from picking up the phone is again, something that I don't have to conquer alone. And so I didn't have to do it in sobriety and I don't have to do it now. So I thought about what are the fears about that I have about reaching out to people for help. And I'm very familiar with this because in my sobriety program, we have sponsors and sponsees. And so we reach out to each other, um, you know, on any given day, it doesn't something doesn't have to be wrong. You just practice picking up the phone so that one day when something is wrong, it's habit to pick up the phone. But there are some people like yours truly, who has never, ever mastered picking up the phone. Never. After all this time, I will text my sponsor every single day but I'm always challenged to pick up the phone. And why is this? And I've talked to her about it. I've talked to everybody about it, but I still don't do it. And so what are my fears about picking up the phone? What are my fears about, to, to extend that further, asking for help, for scheduling doctor's appointments, to, um, you know, seek help from professionals, family, friends, whether I just need to vent, whether I need to um, investigate, um, you know, a suggestion that somebody might have offered to me, what keeps me from doing that? And so I named four things. One was, and I think this is top and foremost for me, I don't want to bother anybody. I, you know, I'm afraid they don't have time. And, you know, speaking of my boss, that's a perfect one for him. Um, I'm challenged to just pick up the phone and call because, you know, he's got a lot of things on his plate. He probably doesn't have time. Well, I know the response to that. The response is, 
I may not have time at the moment that you call, but I'll call you back. And you know why I know that? Because that was the response that I gave him today, which was, I may not pick up the phone right when you call, but I'll call you back. And that's everybody's response. So bothering people and thinking that they don't have time is bullshit. It's bullshit. And if you ever are saying that to yourself, that you're full of shit, you know, and by you, I'm talking about me. If I say, oh, I didn't call you because um, I didn't, you know, I knew that you had this or that going on. That's bullshit. It's I'm giving an excuse for not picking up the phone. It's no skin off their back for me to pick up the phone and call. They don't have to do anything. It can go to voicemail. So it's it's it doesn't make any sense that of that excuse to not reach out to somebody because you don't want to bother them. You're not bothering them. They'll either pick up or they won't pick up. Um, okay, so number can you see I'm passionate about that one? Number two, uh, one of my fears is I'm overreacting. And this is something that I know I have felt over the past couple years as I've been going through denial um, because, and it goes back to that, is this a big deal? And it's like, I don't know if it's because I was raised not going to the doctor right away. I'm not blaming you, mom. I'm agreeing with you. Um, or because I didn't do that with my kids either. You, you, you wait for something to be really bad before you actually go. And, um, and, and so my fear has always been that I'm overreacting, that I'm going to go in there and they're going to be like, oh, you know, it's gas. <laughs> you just have gas. I think that's everybody's worst nightmare <laughs> that you just have gas. Um, so overreacting, that's, um, that's kind of embarrassing, I guess, if I were to pick a, an adjective for it. So, and then the third fear I have is I'll be disappointed. Um, and this is saying this out loud is definitely kind of putting myself out there and, and being vulnerable And I I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but reaching out to somebody, hoping that they have an answer for you or hoping that they're going to give you the love, say the words that you need to hear, Um, fill that, maybe fill that in, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, fill that love need, you know, and, and I don't want to call somebody and have them not tell me what I want to hear because that's like having expectations, you know, am I gonna, if I call my dad, do I have an expectation that he's gonna say, you know, I love you, Ray, and whatever you need, I'm here for you. Yes, I do. I have that, I have that expectation. And if my dad is, is occupied or doing something else, 
and he happens to not say that that one time on the phone, I'm going to be disappointed, you know? Um, If I call my brother and I'm like, I've built up all of this uh, courage to pick up the phone, just that one one action of picking up the phone takes a lot of courage because it's getting vulnerable to pick up the phone and call my brother. And I'm sorry. And if he doesn't answer, then I'm disappointed, you know? And that's not his fault. It's not his fault if he can't answer. It's not my dad's fault if he doesn't say the exact words that I want to hear. It's not their fault, you know? And I'm picking on the two of them, and that's not on purpose. They were just the first two that came to mind that I love so much. And, of course, it's obvious because that just brought me to tears. So I love you, too. And um, so the fourth thing that is a fear of mine about reaching out is that it won't help. And um, I can relate this to sobriety And how there are so many times, countless times, that I have not wanted to go to a sobriety meeting. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I'm obsessed about work. um, And I don't think it's going to help, you know. And there has never been a time, not one time, that I have not wanted to go to a sobriety meeting And I didn't feel better. Never. I never did not feel better. um, Whether I wanted to go or not. So thinking that reaching out or seeking that support and love that I need. um, Thinking that it's not going to help is one of my fears. But in my experience, um, it it helps every time. So, so that led me to the question, um, what evidence do I have that reaching out for help, uh, by reaching out for help, I did get what I need. And, and so I've provided that example by going to these meetings and reaching out for support. I always get what I need. When I do call my sponsor, always I get what I need. All I always get off the phone with a smile on my face every single time. Not one time did I get off the phone with my sponsor and I was like, eh, that sucked. You know, never, never. And it happens every time I talk to somebody. I get something, you know, I feel a part of. And so another, another um, question that came to mind is, what can I do today to get the help that I need? Um, and that's what I hope I'm doing right now, which is I'm, I'm trying. I'm not perfect at it, as my boss pointed out today, but I'm trying to reach out. I'm seeking support groups. I'm seeking uh, therapy and doctors help. And, um, and it's a process. It's not an event. Um, you know, reaching out for help. It's not like you, you know, 
decide just like getting sober, I decide I'm going to get sober. I'm going to call the rehab facility and get myself a bed. You know, that's the first step. That's the very first, that's the seed of willingness that has been planted. And however it was planted, who knows, but it's there. And it led to an action. But from that point further, uh, it, it's a process of willingness that can, that willingness needs to continue to exist in order for uh, recovery to continue. So, so what can I do? Uh, what more can I do? And so I, I just, I have some reminders for myself. And one is, I can have patience. I need to continue to dig deep for patience because this is a long road ahead of me. And I feel like I have finally accepted that. It's something that I have been fighting and fighting and fighting. And so... Now that I have accepted it, I need to have patience because things are going to happen along the way. And for example, I need to have humility. I need to be able to take suggestions from other people. Um, However, (laughs) there is, uh, there's a limit, you know, there's a a grain of salt I need to have when I'm taking suggestions from others. And I'll go into that a little bit. (laughs) But um, I need to trust others. Don't give up on the neurologist when they prescribe me migraine medication and it doesn't work. Don't just stop going. You know, that's not, that's not patience. Uh, That's not humility. That's not trust in others. I need to surrender to the care of others and stop wearing myself out by running in place. Get out of the way. My bullheadedness keeps me thinking that I'm the one with all the answers. So um, by doing this, I can uh, gain gain peace of mind. And by reaching out for help, I can gain knowledge, and knowledge is power. Um, So whether it's picking up the phone, whether it's, you know, there's a reason why I've been so adamant about learning voiceover on my Apple devices, because I want to continue to gain knowledge. And um, it's just, it's an internal drive in me. Oh, I guess it's one of the needs, isn't it? Cognitive needs. It's number five. (laughs) Um, Well, it's number five on the extended version of the Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. But I've got a very, very powerful drive to gain knowledge. Um, you can, um, you can ask my boss and my boyfriend 
and my kids and my friends and my family. I'm mentally going through all these people. Do they all see that in me? Yeah, I think so. It's always been that way. I didn't want to graduate from school because I thought, because I was young and immature, that that learning was over. That's what I thought. And um, so gaining knowledge uh, can happen by me continuing to have the willingness to seek the knowledge and seek that peace of mind. I can't change my illness and my vision impairment, vision impairment, but I can change my reaction to it. And instead of denying it or, or resigning myself to a life of discomfort and pain, um, my reaction now is to, again, seek knowledge, pick up the phone, ask questions, and be willing to take suggestions. So as promised, I wanted to touch on the suggestions part. So of course, everyone thinks that they're an expert when you tell them uh, what you're dealing with. And um, it's not, uh, let's see if I can articulate this. I appreciate the suggestions. I absolutely appreciate the suggestions. And it's a part of human nature for somebody to hear what I'm going through, compare it to something that they've gone through in their lives or one of their loved ones and say back, this is what we did about it. This is this is how we handled it. And this is, you know, that's sharing your experience, strength and hope. That's exactly what that is. That's what I'm doing right now. So, but there's a difference between sharing your experience, strength, and hope and pushing uh, something on me. You know what I mean? So I've gotten lots of suggestions and I'm not calling anybody in particular out. I am just simply telling you the vast amount of suggestions that I've received over the past seven weeks. Um, so recommending a new neurologist, not only recommending a new neurologist, but giving me new contact numbers for new neurologists and not just one person has done that. Many people want to recommend their neurologist, which is great because I might need one. Who knows? I might need a new one depending on how all of this goes. But I've been recommended acupuncture, ketamine infusions, deprivation tanks, concussion treatments, and teaching hospitals. And uh, the teaching hospitals one made me think of House. If you ever watched the show House, I wish I could find a real-life house <laughs> that can help me, Dr. House or whatever he was called. <laughs> um Anyway, so all of these suggestions are absolutely welcome. I love suggestions. Um, but as long as the person who's giving me the suggestions doesn't feel offended that I don't jump on it and take the suggestions, I'm trying to, I'm trying to tackle this methodically. I don't want to do three, you know, 
take ketamine infusions, acupuncture, and migraine medicine all at the same time because I'm not going to know what's working and what's not working. So I have, I've proven today that I have your list of recommend, of suggestions and, um, and I'm tackling them one at a time as needed. So I do appreciate them and, and I'm kind of, uh, kind of trying to be a little humorous about it. So I am, um, I am going to, so at this point, I'm going to part ways with this series of four episodes that was about becoming um, all that we're capable of. And what I've learned, I've learned a ton in this. And uh, I think the main key that I have left all of this research and conversation with is that willingness is the key for me to become all that I'm capable of in recovery. Um, what I learned is that at the point of recovery, I'm not capable of meeting my own basic needs, physical needs, safety needs, love and community needs and esteem needs. And this was, this happened both at the end of my drinking when I needed to enter into sobriety and at the end of, you know, right before I kind of broke down and was like, I can't keep living with this pain in my head. I wasn't, me you know, meeting my own basic needs. And this, at that point where, which is my low, I would define that as my low. When I'm not meeting the basic needs, this is where the depression is born. This is where my frustrations are born. And I have to recognize that something has to change or nothing's going to change. If the seed of willingness is planted, then it blooms into action. And with unfaltering willingness, I will reach my greatest potential in recovery. So to, uh, with that, I'm going to end the episode. And tomorrow I have my trans transcranial Doppler and corroded ultrasound. So that's in the morning tomorrow. And I'm starting to feel anxiety about it. I didn't um, all day today and, and the day before, but I, I'm starting to what if, you know, and think, um, I'm sure I had a transcranial Doppler when I had my stroke, but I don't remember it. I would think that that's what they did in the hospital, but I don't recall um, I, I do remember the corroded ultrasound, but anyway, um, it's just, a you know, a standard procedure. It'll be fine. Well, uh, this is where I'm going to start gaining that knowledge that I'm talking about. So, I'm um, going to continue to have the willingness. I'm going to suit up and show up and I will talk to you tomorrow.